Welcome to The Link, Bridging Faith and Life with Dr. Vincent Bacote. Dr. Bacote is a professor of theology and the director of the Center for Applied Christian Ethics at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. On The Link, Dr. Bacote makes connections between Christian beliefs and our lives and invites you to begin building bridges between faith and life in your ministry, organization, and personal life. Now, let's join Dr. Bacote. Welcome to The Link. On The Link, we're talking about bridging faith and life. So each month, I'm talking about some statement that has to do with what we believe as Christians from some Christian tradition, and I'm connecting it to some dimension of our lives. This month, I'm taking two parts of what you find in the Statement of Faith of the Evangelical Free Church of America. It's this half from the statement under Jesus Christ that I want to first state. He lived a sinless life, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and advocate. And then, right under that, is there is a statement about the work of Christ. And there's this language. His atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for our salvation. Each month, I highlight certain words. So what words am I highlighting this time? What I want to highlight is crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, and the language about victorious resurrection. So Easter is coming, and Good Friday happens before Easter Sunday. We're all very familiar with this. In fact, sometimes I think we are so familiar with this that we really forget to think about what is happening here on Good Friday. On Good Friday, a great question to ask is, wait a minute, how's Jesus getting here? What's going on here? Yes, we talk about he's dying on the cross for us, yes, But what's going on here? What's going on is Jesus is experiencing a public execution at the hands of the Romans. He's not initially charged by the Romans. He's charged by the Pharisees. But the Romans are the ones who are crucifying him because he says he is a king, which he is. And so Caesar wants no challengers. And so Jesus suffers this horrific, painful, humiliating death. A terrible death that is a public, political execution. At least speaking for myself, I think for a long time my familiarity with the crucifixion kept me from understanding that the crucifixion is truly a horrific event. I think, in spite of whatever you might think about the film itself, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ helps us to see that kind of film, that kind of event, as the horrible thing that it was. But here's the point about seeing that film which follows Jesus basically from his arrest to his crucifixion and a brief scene with the resurrection, you cannot escape the torture and suffering that he went through 
in order for our salvation to happen. In other words, it's truly a terrible, horrific event. And we have to be mindful on Good Friday that, yes, it's good, but when it was happening, the only people for whom it seemed good was for the people who wanted Jesus dead. And that meant the sadistic Roman soldiers who delighted in torturing him, and certainly his enemies among the Jewish leaders who wanted to get this controversial teacher out of the way. So it was a good Friday for them when it happened. For those that were following him, it was perhaps the worst day of their lives. And I think if we're going to really be acquainted well with the crucifixion of Jesus, being crucified under Pontius Pilate, we cannot look at the crucifixion with such familiarity that we forget what it must have been like to be there. What it must have been like to be there was to absolutely have your world turned upside down, seeing this person who taught like no other, who showed us love, who performed incredible miracles, and who said he was the Messiah, seeing this person seemingly defeated by his enemies. And then everyone goes and leaves, and then what do they do? Right? So here's Jesus crucified under Pontius Pilate, crucified by the Romans. So this death, a real death, a horrible death with pain and bleeding and agony and humiliation. This is what Jesus experienced. Good Friday was, for those who were there, a terrible day if they had loyalty to Jesus. We cannot forget that. Now, it's true when we think about what's being accomplished there. The death of Jesus is the great once-for-all sacrifice that means that sin is paid for. So Jesus is dying in our place, taking punishment that we shouldn't take, that we deserve, rather. And because of his death, God accepts that sacrifice and thankfully, because of that, it's possible for us to be reconciled to God. Yes, we talk about that all the time and we need to talk about that. But we also need to not lose the truth that what Jesus went through to accomplish our salvation is true horror and at what at the time seemed like one of the greatest losses of all times. So we need to think about that. Now, of course, Jesus is also one who has a victorious resurrection. That's an incredible thing. He, as it says in this document here from the Free Church, he arose bodily from the dead, and it is a victorious resurrection. So last month I was talking about the fact that he was incarnate and how that tells us about God's commitment to the world. But it is important that we remember that when Jesus is raised, which when his people discovered it, they were surprised by it. 
excited by it, but surprised by it because they had just been devastated and probably forgot what he said about the fact that he was going to be raised a few days later. In fact, they didn't even know what he, what he actually meant by this. Like, what's he talking about coming back from the dead? That's strange. What does he mean by that? Well, what he meant was he was coming back from the dead. And so, Jesus is risen from the dead. God wakes him up. How does God wake him up? God wakes him up by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same way that the first Adam wakes up, how does that happen? God breathes into him by the Holy Spirit and makes him alive. He becomes a living soul. How does the second Adam, Jesus, wake up? The Holy Spirit breathes into him and he wakes up and here he is in this resurrected body, a body that will never die, a body that now will go on forever and ever. So Jesus is risen from the dead in a body, a body that we later see that he can touch. He says, Thomas, you can touch me. He's risen from the dead, and it's a victorious resurrection, which means this. One, the biggest thing of all, death is defeated. Death does not have the last word. When it looked like on Good Friday that everything was turned upside down because it looked like Jesus was the Messiah, and then those who were following him, now it's all going south. It's literally turned upside down. Now, what's being turned upside down is death having the last word. It no longer has the last word. And what's also being turned upside down is the reality of us being unable to be fully reconciled to God. Because now we can. Because now Jesus being risen tells us that what happened on the cross really was the death that saves us. But it's not only just the death that saves us and makes our reconciliation possible. It's a victory over all of God's enemies, including cosmic enemies. There's that language in Colossians about triumphing over the powers. And so what Jesus does in his resurrection is he basically shows that who has the last word about everything? God does. Death does not have the last word. Evil does not have the last word. Evil does not have the victory. God has the victory. And it's important for us to remember that. And here's something else I think that's important to think about when it comes to the dynamics of observing Easter weekend. I think sometimes all the emotional energy goes into Good Friday and then Easter Sunday happens, and man, there's nice songs, songs of victory, it's kind of cheerful, but the amount of energy that there is, is not as, at the same level as what goes into all the drama of Good Friday. But the fact of the matter is, is that we should have even greater energy for the even greater drama of the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. In fact, just as we sometimes are too familiar about crucifixion, I think we're too familiar about resurrection. Almost like, well, yeah, and he gets up. And I always like to say to my classes, and sometimes I say when I'm preaching, I always say, when you go to a funeral, do you expect that person to be back three days later? Do you expect that person to ring the doorbell and say, hey, did you miss me? No, of course, nobody expects that. 
Nobody expects that. And we have to keep that in mind when we're thinking about the fact that, wait a second, these devastated people who saw Jesus crucified on this Roman cross like a common criminal, God become flesh, executed, humiliated like a common criminal, what happens? This Jesus is risen from the dead, and he's never to die again, and death has been vanquished. In other words, the true final word has happened with Jesus appearing and showing himself to those who followed him. And they didn't, some of them didn't believe it at first, but then they were unable to deny that it was really him. And then he was with them for 40 days before he ascended. What an incredible victory. And not a victory that they were really expecting. And it's a victory that we should reacquaint ourselves with every Easter instead of letting the fact that we celebrate it annually leading us to have a kind of familiarity where we think about the resurrection of the dead it's like oh yeah and so Jesus gets up for the dead it's not an oh yeah it's like what he got up from the dead that's incredible that's amazing almost like I wasn't expecting this I didn't expect it to go this way but it did go that way and I think that's what we really have to keep in mind about the resurrection, that it's a stunning victory, a stunning new state of affairs that happened because Jesus has been risen from the dead. Well, what does this mean in terms of the way that we think about the world around us? I think being honest about how horrific the crucifixion is, it actually helps us to look at all the terrible things that happen in the world and to be honest about the fact that they are truly horrific, truly tragic, truly devastating, truly lamentable. At the time when I'm recording this, there's just been a shooting at a school in Nashville where three adults and three children died. That's a terrible thing a horrible thing, a devastating thing. There's been an ongoing war in Ukraine. And here's the thing. I mentioned a school shooting. I mentioned the war in Ukraine. Those are things that make the news. But think about all the horrors that take place that never make the news. But they are truly horrific and devastating things. These things, too, are also truly terrible, truly devastating, truly bad things. And we can admit how bad they are. They are things that in the moment when we experience them, we might feel like the last word is the word of that terrible thing, of that horrific thing. But here is the great truth. We don't only think about cross, we also have to think about resurrection. And because we think about resurrection, it's not only the promise that those who are Christians are going to be raised from the dead at the end of time and, and will have new life forever and ever with Jesus, but it's also the fact that it tells us that all the terrible events that happen in the world do not have the last word. As much as we can be honest about how horrible those things are. 
we also can be truthful about the fact that the weeping does not last for the night, as people say. Right? The joy comes in the morning. It's going to come in the greatest morning when God sets everything right. And I think this is what God also does even now when we sometimes face these things. The shadow of horrible events may stay with us, but God in his generosity over time helps his people to understand that the terrible things are not a reason to live without hope and that the most truthful people can also be the most hopeful people. This, I think, is an important thing for us to understand and to keep in mind all the time. And if we reacquaint ourselves with the horror of crucifixion, and if we're reacquainted and perhaps newly amazed about the resurrection of Jesus, if we let that be our perspective, it enables us to be truthful about this world, not as people who feel like I have to pretend it's not that bad, or I have to act like I can never continue to live in a hopeful way if something terrible happens, but rather that we can be people who strangely can think two thoughts at the same time. We can be completely, utterly truthful about horror and also truthful about the fact that horror is, is not the end, but that hope is the end. Why? Because Christ is risen. And Christ is going to come again and set everything right. In other words, that the ultimate message of Easter is one that tells us that no matter how terrible things are in the world, that God is going to win in the end. And we need to let that be the thing that we have with us as we face terrible things and as we also face them as the most hopeful people of all. This has been The Link, Bridging Faith and Life with Dr. Vincent Baycoat. If you would like to connect with Dr. Baycoat and discuss today's episode or linking faith and life in your ministry or organization, follow the link in the show notes. Fill out the form and we will set up a time to connect. We hope you will join us next month for the next episode of The Link. Thank you for listening.